Today on our show, we're counting down <laughs> the top 10 rom-coms, rom-com son, of all time. Blomph, hit it, boy. Welcome to episode 396 of the Countdown Podcast. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. Welcome to the podcast with Countdown Movies and sometimes television in order of awesome. So you have to for five more weeks, four more after this episode, because the show is changing in episode 400. So here is one of the last big topics in this iteration, this chapter of the show that we're doing for you. Last week, we did the top 10 horror films of all time. Thank you to everyone who got on board that one. Our most downloaded episode in a long, long time. Hmm. This week, the quid... <laughs> Pro quo, the <laughs> ying to the last episode's yang. It's Wayne's choice, dealer's choice. He decided not to do spy films or espionage films, ladies and gentlemen. Instead, he decided to do rom-coms. Rom-coms, baby. Now, I don't know how this is going to go. And in, in, if I had to guess, uh, you know, if Paul's horror film episode does well and this one tanks, well, <laughs> it'll be great for him. <laughs> uh, but not for the show. I, on the other hand, love the idea of, uh, you know, well, I was out of my comfort zone. Let's see if Paul works the same way. And in fact, last week, Paul did a little thing for you mm. where he said, I'm going to give you gems, right? Yep. Hidden horror gems. Hidden horror gems. Now, can I give a little bit of follow-up? Please hit it uh, up. No, wait. For, we'll do that as a recount. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of that myself. It's not... Yeah. Hey. There are some very obvious rom-coms that you might consider to be on my list. Yes. And some of them you will definitely have heard of, but a few of them you definitely may not have heard of, I don't think. Definitely so, may not have. Definitely maybe not have. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah. Give that a try. Have a think about it, what you will. But I hope you love this episode. Yeah, likewise I do too, because my pain should be your entertainment. All right, then, without any further ado, let's get into a very short version of this segment, which kicks off most every show. It's called The Recount. Who wants a recount? Who? Our listener feedback is called The Recount. Paul, what's up? Well, I put the challenge out there last week and said, with my list of hidden horror gems, mm. has anybody seen them all? Who? How many have people seen? And a few people got back to me. So first of all, Drew from the Real Feels podcast, who I did nominate as a man who sees way more horror films even than me. He'd seen eight out of ten. Shit. One of which was on the way to his house. He ordered it off the episode. And the other one he was going to seek out. In fact, oh, I think cool. he managed to order the other two as a DVD set as well. So nice. well done there, Drew. Jason from the Binge Movies podcast said he'd seen about half of my list. Now, I mentioned Jason very specifically because this last week we just released the second part of our two-part Friday the 13th Binge Movies Ranking Extravaganza. Uh, okay. We do one of these every Halloween over on Jason's show. We did First of all, we did Halloween. Then we did Nightmare on Elm Street. And this year it was Friday the 13th's turn. Two big episodes. Uh, Jason said the first episode did really well. Bounced into the charts here in Australia and I believe in the North Americas as well. It's a heap of fun. So if you want to hear the definitive ranking, Stu and John, of the Friday the 13th franchise, get on over there and listen. Don't listen to Stu or John with their ranking because it is cray-cray. Oh, really? Yes. I see. (laughs) Stu for the Stu or Order podcast, John for the Party Comics podcast. Great gentlemen both. Then over on the 40 Going On 14 podcast, one of them got wind of this, listened to the show, and then wrote down all of our choices, not understand what's sort of my list, not yours, mm-hmm. and then gave it to their co-hosts. Oh. One of their co-hosts had seen 19 out of 20 of our films. Really? Combined. I mean, no surprise they'd seen That's all of mine, right. but yeah. Joel, happy K-Pants. So big shout out to you there, sir. And the only one I hadn't seen was Circle, probably the most seen one on my list. So that's a horror film fan right there. No kidding, man. So that was good. kind of fun to do that one. We might do a bit of that once the show changes as well. Sort of hidden horror, or not horror, hidden whatever gems if we decide yeah, yeah, yeah. who's heard of this. By the way, movies that. will still turn up in our Yeah, oh, they will. We'll still so do not, we're not shunning them at all. So no, yeah. They will still be from time to time, yeah, for definitely. sure. Probably more like once a month type deal. Yeah, something like Who that. knows? We shall see. We'll see. Thanks to everyone who got on board for that little, not that it was official challenge, not that I put it out there, but just those who responded. Good to hear. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So we'll see this week whether Wayne wants to, like, yours hard to find that like that? <laughs> Let me explain to you how this is going to work, Paul. Okay. <laughs> there are hardcore horror fans who are your people yes and they have a whole underground culture of I've seen this one or this is an odd one or look at it here there are tropes there are this there are that there is no equivalent groupies yes there is rom- no there yes, isn't they're called women <laughs> 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 I 
It's a pretty big population. Yeah, but they don't. <laughs> but there's no pride in sort of having this sort of like alternative knowledge of rom-coms like it is with horror. So you're not going to have any of that kind of show here today, folks. Our show is just a fun-ass conversation okay. about what a bitch I am. <laughs> so that's fine. I stand resolute, motherfucker. All right, With that uh, clarified, let's get into it there on the other side of this music cue. The top 10 rom-coms of all time. The, the top, top ten, 10 romantic, romantic comedies, comedies bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the subject of this week's countdown of all time, we might add. So I'm not sure how many people are still listening well, after that yeah. you know, advised uh, term of not endearment there from you, Wayne. That's right. So as I said, folks, mine is supposed to be a bit more gemmy, a little more like Paulie's gem list, where all of the popular ones that you may have heard of may be on, on my list. So this ain't the, oh, it is of all time, but it really is just my little list, my quirky list. This is also a Redux episode for those who are really playing along from episode, I want to say around about 125. I did look it up during the week and I Well done, old man. I have no idea what I said. in that range. It might be 126. And it's the one where we, one of the few times we took a photo for the episode. Oh, that's right. With at, the... And we're doing the pretty woman. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh my God. <laughs> God, it was a while ago. Some almost, uh, what would that be? Five and a half years ago. So. God damn, we've been yeah. doing this a while. All right, cool. All right, then, shall I kick off, Wayne? Yeah, you kick off, man. This is your topic. You should bring it home with a wet sail. It'll be wet. <laughs> My number 10 best romantic comedy that I have seen, and after a considerable thought and shuffling these things around, this should be good. is High Fidelity. Yeah, I guess it, yeah, it's a rom-com. Absolutely. No, great, great so choice. The Nick Hornby adaptation set in Chicago rather than in London, directed mm-hmm. by Stephen Frears and of course starring uh, John Cusack back when he was fucking cool in 2000-ish. <laughs> so you're saying he wasn't cool in fucking Con Air? <laughs> it was still, no, not with those uh, socks sandals. and sandals. Yeah, no, yeah. he wasn't really cool in that, but it was, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, that, was, that was a John Cusack era. I reckon it started to fade away not long after this. Yeah, when was, was the last uh, time we saw a good John Cusack movie? So what's the high school one where he was a hitman? Gross Point um, Blank. Gross Point Blank. Mid-90s. Before, yeah, mid-90s, yeah. Well, maybe 97, 98, actually. Don't you like that bloody hotel room one that he did? No, nah, 49. Oh, it was yeah, just okay, fine. Right, it wasn't, wasn't great. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a long time. So anyway, this one is basically about a, a guy who owns a record store. He's got fear of commitment. Mm-hmm. And throughout, there's obviously some genesis here with this movie and this, well, this novel movie and this show. Mm-hmm. He makes lists, you know. Much like some folks you know. That's right. Yeah, top five breakup albums and yep. shit like that through the course or breakups. of the movie. <laughs> and, then break, and then he's going back through his breakups, his history of breakups, mm-hmm. including the one that kind of he realizes through the course of the film got away and it's him trying to basically win her back while still being, he's kind of a bit of a prick. He's, he's not, a prick because he's a man. Um, and the, and the intrinsic prickness of being a man is is sort of the the. He's a man child, I think, and he yes. grows up through the course of this movie and and realizes what he actually needs and wants in life is to share that with this particular woman and win her back after he did not right by her. I don't think I don't think he cheated, and I can't remember to be honest. No, he, there was a there was a yeah, like he borrowed some money from her, went this way and that way. It was a bit weird, but he's he the point is he goes back through all of the catalog of women that he broke up with. Yeah, actually gets back in touch with them. To try and figure out why they broke up. Yeah, to get and then thing. so you can be a better person to right. hopefully work it out with her. Which would never work in real life. No, but anyway, Jack Black <laughs> and, and some other dude are his co mm-hmm. employees mm-hmm. work at the store. And yeah, Jack Black's not terrible in this movie. They do have some funny He's shit. Great. There's He's a great, great back Jack and Black forth about Evil Dead 2 and Evil Dead. And then and at the end of the movie, they he plays Let's Get It Let's On. Let's Get It On, does it well. And to everyone's surprise, his band doesn't suck. Oh, he's gangster. It's actually a really great version of that song. So yeah, I like this one. Fits the bill as far as I'm concerned. Loved it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. My number 10. No problem. High fidelity. Coolio. Now, Paul, remember that I told you about a, a thing me and a group of unmarried childless people used to do called T-Fact? That meant uh, teen flicks and Cosmopolitan Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah, okay. We would, after work, go out and watch a teen flick and have Cosmopolitans because it was around the Sex and the City era. This is a film that we discovered, I discovered during that time. It's called Get Over It. It's a 2001 American teen comedy. It's loosely based on A Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> okay. Very loosely. Because it's about a high school senior who desperately tries to win back his ex-girlfriend oh. by joining the school play. Okay. And her new boyfriend are performing against uh, the, the advice of friends. And it was, it's got Martin Short. It's got Ben oh. Foster. 
Mm. Kirsten Dunst, mm. Mi, Mi, um, Mila Kunis. Okay, wow. Um, I know it's actually it's surprisingly. This is hidden to me. That's it, for sure. I know it is, and it's and it's uh, you know because it's early on, it's, it's it's all about boy bands. So you might imagine why I actually warmed to this one, <laughs> but it's more making this fun of boy bands. Shut up, kid! Shut up, slut! It's <laughs> about making fun of boy bands. You see, fun oh, of boy better. bands. Yeah, it's ragging on them. Okay, so one of all, Kirsten Dunst is like as crazy hot as she's ever been in the show. So you should just understand that. The reason it's sort of funny is that Martin Short is what is like the teacher of all these kids, and he is a he's just playing Martin Short, but he's like I mean I've never so heard is of he only murders in the building Martin Short mm, not dissimilar because that's the first time I ever liked Martin Short. Oh really? Mm. What about Three Amigos? Uh. Huh? Okay. Well, for example, he refers to a woman's uh, special place as her front bum. <laughs> Which I, thought was, which I thought was quite funny. But it is an actually hilarious kind of film about... Now, remember, I was a younger man back then. Sure. Okay? And the idea Went of... Real. Yeah. And the idea of, of trying to win back a woman was quite prevalent. I have, in fact, never been able to do it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Cisco was in this as well. You know, Cisco, remember him from fucking Wild Wild West? And that? I mean, maybe you don't. All right. Nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's, a, he's like a rapper. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know um, the thong song? Nope. What? Let me see that thong. No? I'm not into feet. It's thong, bitch. Like, oh, you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah, <he's>, anyway. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, yeah, well, uh, needless to say, right, it New is. New Zealand listeners, let me see that jangle. Jandle. 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 <laughs> For the American listeners, we call flip flops thongs. Flip flops. Let me see your flip flops. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Different connotation. <laughs> Yeah, foot fetish. Uh, but it is a surprisingly funny show, and it's a really unsung one given the cast. Even like Carmen Electra and like all these other folks are in it, and uh, Colin Hanks even Colin Hanks. Wow. So uh, one of those things. I actually think that it's one you you if you like rom coms at all, especially teen rom coms, you'll like this. It's it's about as good as Can't Hardly Wait, which is a really good teen rom com, which is not on my list because I'm just visiting now. Okay, there you go. Fair enough. My number nine. Is a film I know you're quite fond of, Wayne. Mm. I think this, in my number eight, probably are the closest to stretching the brief in a sense, in that you might argue it's a straight comedy, but at the heart of a lot of the comedies is a romance. You gotta have a romance. And the 40 year old virgin, for me, hits the same. I actually think it is a rom com. Oh, good. Okay. It's about him fucking. It's definitely a rom com. Well, it's about him trying to. Yeah, Sorry, for the trying first, to fuck. Trying to connect with a woman so that he can actually sleep with her because he's still a virgin at 40. And what Paul Steve Carell. is less romantic than that. Yeah. <laughs> This is probably the making of Steve Carell, this movie. I and the agree. making of Judd Apatow and his style of sort of comedy, which then goes on way too long and has a, and basically has a fourth act rather mm-hmm. than just stopping when it should. But he's chasing Catherine Keener mm-hmm. and then his mates Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. Someone else, right? Uh, Seth Rogen. Uh, yeah, um, the African-American dude, and I can't remember his name. I'm terribly sorry. Romany Malco. Yes. And he's great. He's like one of the best things about this. Kevin Hart's in it too. And there those... You go. <laughs> Those three guys kind of realized through the course of the growth of, of Steve Carell's Andy that they're missing out. They're not doing the right... They need to kind of, I guess, cool their jets. Well, the idea that you're trying to... Because um, here's the thing, people. like The actual essence of a rom-com for me is typically not the romance. It is the com of the dudes getting together, talking to a guy. I love the aesthetic or the idea or the scenery of dudes getting together trying to figure out women because God knows we've all done that. Paul and I do it every day. Like every time we hang out, it's like, hey, what do you think about this? I'm like, is that what she said? (laughs) Shit like that all the time. It's not untrue. And the funnier you make that, the better the rom-com. And this, the 40-year-old virgin... It, this that's the most of the fucking show. I've only ever watched it once, and I but You're I kidding. but I watched it by myself once, and I laughed a lot. And that's the sign of a really funny comedy to me. If it's not with a big group of people. Or in a cinema where you're you're carried along by the infectiousness of other people laughing. If you're yeah. laughing just legitimately yourself, oh, it's big. That's funny. It's big, and this is one of those funnier movie. Well, this uh, it's sort of unusual because the forty year old version is definitely a favorite comedy slash rom com of mine, and. It still doesn't actually end that well. It ends with this odd, like, performance of long, beautiful. They're actually, uh, like, from Hair, the musical. It's just them singing. It's a really weird moment, uh, right? Judd Apatow. I know. And even so, the, the memorable parts about the film are enough to carry you through and let you know about it and actually keep you in your head. It's a funny thing. I actually saw this interview with Judd Apatow now because he just did a, um, a gay rom-com called Bros, I believe. Yep. Which I haven't seen yet, no, but I really want to see it. Yeah. Um, and... 
they said to him, what do you think about, because there's a very pain, famous joke in here, which was actually improvised by the cast at the time. Remember, this is, when did it come out? Like 2005. 2005, back when you could make these jokes. There's the jokes where these guys are playing video games. You know how I know you're gay? You know how I know you're gay? Because you made a macrame fucking rope, or whatever, all this sort of shit. Uh, and they said, what do you think about this? Like, how do you, you wrote that. Like, how are you not canceled now? Because fucking the internet never forgets, right? Yeah, true. And he said, look, I, I regret it now. I regret having allowed that into the film now. In by sort of way of making this bros thing, you know, he said like, but why is it taking so long for like a, a big Hollywood Studio. gay rom-com, yep. you know? So he says this is sort of a little bit of him making up for that. Good so, you know, good for him. Good for him. Um, so yeah, great, great call. Great call. 40-year-old version is one of the best comedies there is. Thank you, sir. Your number nine. My number nine has got, uh, here's the cast list, Jerry O'Connell, Ryan Reynolds, Alyssa Milano, Bridget Els- L. Wilson. Remember Bridget Wilson? She was Sonia. I do, Pete Sampras's the- Yeah, wife. she's Sampras Wilson now. Yeah, whatever. It's called Buying the Cow. Do you remember the show? I think, uh, is this the one where it's like, you have to choose whether you fuck your... <laughs> what it is? Your mom or a cow? No, 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 no. That was, um, that was, uh, was it Stumbling and Falling or Dazed and Confused? I can't remember. One of them was where it's like... Used. Yeah, it was something, it was one of those movies where they said, hey, would you rather... I can't remember what it was. Yeah. If you don't have sex with a cow, would you rather kill your mother? I don't want to have sex with a cow. And they're like, cow fucker. Yep. Yeah, that was that. No, not this. No, not this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is about, Jerry Connell is the lead. And he's a guy whose girlfriend is pressuring him to marry her. And, you know, he's a man, so he doesn't actually want to get married. But, of course, he's being browbeaten by the woman. So it's not like he really has a choice. Now, the way that, <laughs> the way that it works. No comment. No comment, Paul. Uh, now. <laughs> so, uh, now we talked about how the broness of a film is actually like for me the essence and the uh, the value of it. This is all of that because it's all about them trying to understand. I know what your number one is then. No, well, you'll never forget my number one. Okay. Um, so while sh- the the premise is while she goes away, Bridget Wilson goes away to New York, she gives him two months to decide whether or not he wants to marry her. And Jerry O'Connell's friends persuade him to then experience the dating scene one last time to actually try and understand whether you want to be with this girl or would you rather be an aimless fucking man just dating lots of women, all right? <laughs> Who would choose that for themselves? <laughs> Who? Well, the truth is, now as an old man myself, I go, of course you would choose the girl you love. But as... Would you? <laughs> if you loved her, Paul. <laughs> I don't know. If it's Bridget Wilson, you might think about it. I mean, Pete Sepres did. But... <laughs> But having said this, he then goes on the dating scene. And what happens is he spots another woman. He instantly falls for her. But she disappears. And he's trying to track her down. And it gets really Who's weird. Who's the other woman? The other woman is... Uh, it's, it's, he is actually Mil- No, not Mil- it was last No, uh, it's not Alyssa Milano. She's a friend of someone. But what's... You know, the plot aside being the way it is, it's actually surprisingly funny, this film. Like, there are all kinds of, like... There's a scene where Ryan Reynolds gets drunk, and he's the womanizer of the group. No. Yes, I know. And he gets drunk one night, and he wakes up in the morning and mistakenly believes he had sex with a man because the woman's roommate comes in, and he happens to be in, like, a nightgown. And the way he's he's just walking into the room, but he was, Ryan Reynolds was drunk, so he's like, oh, my God, I slept with a man. And then he thinks he's gay, <laughs> the whole movie, and starts going, oh, my God, I'm gay. And then he walks up, and, and you know, it's, it's, trust me, it's really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> Feels like what you was this? If you look, oh, shit. Um... It was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, feels like a product 2002, of 2002. Yeah, okay, so even older Look, than... We all t- exactly. Again, gay jokes back then were acceptable. Fine. All right? So, but uh, the actual film itself is particularly good. And I wouldn't say... There is a lesson. And I actually do like movies with a bit of a lesson that isn't delivered in a hokey manner. Right. But overall, it's because the dudes are playing basketball and talking about women. And I really, really do like that. So... But it is funny. Buying the cow is very funny. And of course, it refers to why get the milk. Why was it buy the cow when you can get the milk for yes. free? So that's what it's all about. Screwball comedy, everyone. Okay. There you are. My number eight is also another screwball comedy that comes from, well, one guy would go on to eventually win an Academy Award, the Farrelly Brothers. It's the 1998's There's Something About Mary. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. That, again, a, re- a great romantic comedy and, and would be on my list if I was doing that list. But Genuinely please. funny film. You know, I the, remember you telling me about with this. The, yeah, we saw like an advanced screening or whatever. No, you saw one. it before me and you said, hey, I saw this movie called It's Something About Mary. Didn't know anything about it. I didn't know Matt Dillon. I didn't know anything about it. And you said, it had some real nasty shit oh in it. Oh my God, does it? But fuck me, it was funny. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then when I went to see it, oh my, this was huge. Family Brothers are actually great. Please go on. I just think this is legitimately one of the funniest films ever made, but- then we've got Ted, who's trying to hook back up with Mary. Yep. All those years after the accident on the prom night stopped it from happening when he got, when he got, got his the Frank balls and beans. caught. Yeah, Frank and the beans and <laughs> oh, a zipper. Shit. That's why it was funny. Because what do you got? You're Ben Stiller. You got Matt Dillon, Cam Diaz, Diaz, of course. Some other cracker. 
And that was the great thing about the film. Everyone wanted Mary because she was Cameron Diaz. And at the time, she was the hottest thing on two legs. Now, that's why the premise of the movie worked. But then every man making a complete ass of himself, to me, was very true to life as my life. (laughs) So I thought it was really cool. But the jizz jokes, Paul. The cum shot in the hair. The cum shot in the hair. All these sorts of things. Kevin Smith tells a story where he, in in Mallrats, he shot a scene where this dude shoots a wad over the over the wall of a change room and it hits a girl in the in the in the <laughs> in the um in her hair and it makes her hair stick up. The studio made him take it out of the movie. And he's like, yeah, I guess it's too much. And then the very next time this on the poster of something about Mary is the jizz hair on Cameron Diaz. Hilarious. Oh damn. Yeah, so man. hang on, he he feels like they took his joke. Yeah, well he is well he, he it was just they happened to both think of the same joke, but he thought it, he, their studio thought it was too much. And he's like, oh my God, it's not too much. Because the Farrelly brothers are like, nah, we're keeping it in. Exactly. So, you know, that's what happens there. But no, this is a great show, Paul. I think. Some great, hilarious moments. No, it's true. It's just pure class all the way through. You know, I think it's a product of its time. It's a bit stalkery and whatever else now. Probably wouldn't get made. Well, they do actually make that point. Like, they can't just be a straight stalker case, you know, because he's a PI or whatever. But um, yeah, Matt Dillon doing probably his best comedic work ever, I would say. For sure. So yeah, nice work. Thank you. All right. My number eight is a film that I have spoken about before, but I feel like you should all know about this. And if you haven't seen it, you got to see it. It's Just Friends. Just Friends. And here we have Ryan Reynolds, Anna Faris, Amy Smart. Chris Klein, in probably the last role I've ever seen him in. Some say Ryren could have been the kind of king of rom-coms if he didn't become Deadpool and then start selling gin and fucking buying football teams. Yep. But this starts with him being a young man in high school and he's fat. In fact, Paul. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. Now, the opening scene, in fact, is him looking in a mirror being all fat, wearing a fat suit. And he's miming along to a song by boy band All For One called I Swear. Are you finished doing that one, Paulie? I, I swear, my your mom and your snatch. Yeah, it's that one, right? So I'm pretty sure that's not how it goes. Oh, I know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of my edit. Um, and he's, the idea is that he's always been friends with this girl, Amy Smart. And he's fat. And she's, she ain't. She's, yeah, she ain't. She's hot and everything. And then she gives him a proper, like... He goes in for the kiss in a party one time and she just kisses him on cheek. You're my best friend. But everyone in the party sees it and goes, oh, or, and just destroys him. And he's like, <laughs> this then cuts, cuts, cuts to the future where he's now a hot, cool record executive, good looking motherfucker. And he comes back to his hometown. And it is all about the really the best thing about the film is him and his brother. Now, Paul, I've never had a brother. Mm-hmm. I know you have. I do. And I, this movie made me jealous of. The relationship that brothers have because they Who fucking. Who was his brother in the show? His name is Christopher Rodriguez Marquette, um, okay. but he's, he's he actually is in a lot of TV shows and stuff like that. But he's playing a young kid at the time, and they beat up on each other in a way that is so funny <laughs> that is it's just like it's 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 purely cruel. Only the way that brothers smack on each other, but at the end it's like yeah, see asshole, I love you. It was that kind of thing. I thought, how lovely is that, right? Okay. You're still getting beaten by him, but whatever. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Just Friends is actually surprisingly, it's one of those movies that's consistently early, funny. Early 2010s or late 2000s? This was, I didn't write it down, but I want to say yes. Okay, good. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that Rai Rai gets his way in the end. Uh, he learns about himself in the end, Paul. Uh, good enough. Vindication! <laughs> just wanted to play that, you fat <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> My number seven, immediately going to lose me any vote this week, at least with one listener who went on, Nicole Presley said, one of you idiots is going to have 500 days of summer on the list, and I am that idiot. That's okay. I like this one because it's funny, and it's not heartwarmingly lovely at the end. It doesn't end this beautiful, wonderful way. No, he doesn't way. get what he wants, does he? No, because that's life, and that feels a bit more realistic, and yes. all I think it's a brave film. It's still a romantic comedy. Yeah, I can't remember if it starts with him breaking up with her and then we get to see the story or if it's just... We, it's flashbacky. All I yeah. remember is that he had that great version of Here Comes Your Man and oh, he's yeah. doing karaoke and it's Zooey Deschanel. Yep. And let me ask you, Paul. And then after he bangs her when he, when he comes out and, and they're the, the fucking up, dance and everything. Don't you build... Is it that one? I can't remember what can't the song, what song was, but the scene was amazing because he just glides into sidestepping and then the band. No, and, it's... Um, ding, 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 that's... Um, oh. <laughs> Could I get a new version? <laughs> <laughs> it's a hole in oats. Oh yeah, it's um um. Let's make my dreams, dreams come true. That's that song. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's, ooh, ooh, which yep. is a great fucking song. Yep. Question for you, Paul, because this uh, something that's often a theme in rom coms is the idea of the manic pixie dream girl, which I believe Zooey Deschanel is. <sighs> yeah, in this it does film. nothing for me. So, as in her or the idea of the manic pixie dream girl, because a great example of this is also like what's that Jim Carrey movie with fucking Titanic in it? Uh, Kate Winslet. 
it's real indie. Oh, Channel Sunshine as well. Yeah, Channel Sunshine. Yeah. That girl is also specifically very manic pixie dream yeah, girl. Not, none of them do it for me. None of them do it for you. No. See, I'm big on that shit, but I guess I reckon it would get tired really soon. You and you're fucking playing the Smiths every fucking day. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> day one for me. Day one. <laughs> Uh, no, this is a great film, and I absolutely love it. Uh, and in fact, yeah, it is along my, the list. The list, my list, goes a bit more in the way where you would things that don't that you wouldn't expect to happen happen in those films. So nice one. Okay, yeah, not not my kind of film at all normally. And I watch this one under sufferance, and by like half an hour, I'm like this is good. I'm glad I watched it. So hooray. no, it's probably one of the definitely one of the best. So yeah, Thank fair you. enough. My number seven is the movie called Loser. Loser. Okay, uh, just loser. Great. Now I've got a song. Oh yeah, because Paul, Teenage Dirtbag, what yeah. a great fucking song, right? Um, now this has got Jason Biggs and Mina Suvari, essentially. And it's about a college student who is branded a loser by his roommates, and he's booted from the dorm, and he falls in love with a co-ed who happens to be Mina Su- Suvari, and, you know, she has eyes for their condescending professor, so he's always playing backup, right? So he's always, like, trying to catch up kind of thing. And, well, yeah, good stuff. Now, uh, if you look at the music video for that song, Paul, it looks like he's playing a straight, oh, uh, he's a nerd and everyone hates him and everyone's like, you're such a t- tool and blah, 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 blah. The actual movie does not play quite like that. He is a much more pulled, a sort of like a complex character where he actually helps save animals and things like that, which is sort of that type of thing. Right, and, yep. Yeah, and for that reason, like, even though he's chasing after the girl, he's not popular with, his, with, with the college people, but he is not, in fact, a loser. And as a result, as the movie goes on, you see her warm to him and you can tell why because he's actually a good, not just a good guy, he's actually a quite a special guy. And it's kind of a really interesting like tone for the film. Mm-hmm. You'd think they'd play it just, uh, there you go. But this is actually much more likable and enjoyable than you might think. The boyfriend's a dick. dick. He brings a gun. And you know what? They always, they, they, they scrub that. That didn't happen in the movie, did it? Well, no, when you play the song, if you hear a radio edit of the song, they actually gone. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. So, you know. But over here they played it. <laughs> yeah, over here they played it just, just fine. Okay, yeah, nice choice. I for a long time since that movie, I did not not enjoy it. Yeah. So good I job. didn't mind it's a good at job. All. Good yeah. job. Uh, I know that everyone likes my number six, they just don't like the yeah, the very average sequel that came a long time after the fact. But mm. back in nineteen eighty six, I wanna say. Eight. Sure. Is actually when it was. Coming to America, directed by John Landis, was pretty special. Coming to America was a movie of my childhood. This the, is him trying to, well, he goes to America to find- His out, woman? To find love, to find out whether he really does want to take on his his role in life as, right. as prince and then eventually king of whatever the place is, Zamunda. Zamunda, yes. Yes, and does meet very quickly, well, not very quickly, but through the course of the film, uh, Shari Headley as playing Lisa McDowell, mm-hmm. and he wants to try to win her over. And this is this great story, I think, of- this fish out of water who could just go, I am... King, what's it? I am richer than God. Yes. And you will probably fall at your, at your knees to get with me. Or I can do this the proper way and try and make her fall, fall in love, love with, with me as a person. Yes, pretending to be a pauper. Which, and you know, in some ways it still feels a bit not right. But deceptive? Better that than, you know, he, he needs to know for sure she's into him, not just into his money. Well, here's the thing, Paul. I think you put this in the common, like, real real day, right? Like, let's say this happens in so real life. Elon Musk. All right, so let's say Elon Musk <laughs> turns up in, I don't know, he's Queens. whatever. Queens, Queens, right? Queens, right? And he's yep. like- What better place to find his queen than in Queens? Exactly. And then he finds a girl and he's like, hi, I'm just a, I just work at McDonald's, McDonald's, whatever. Yep. And yeah, and I know you're the son of the owner and you're whatever and basically tries to charm her out. And then for some reason it works. It would not work. If it's some reason <laughs> it works, right? <laughs> because Elon Musk is not Eddie Murphy in his prime. It's more that handsome man. It's more that women don't fuck down, Paul. They fuck up and across. <laughs> actually, I don't think anyone does. Right? That's how it goes, right? Now, um, actually, some women do fuck down because men convince them that they're up, but they're actually down. So that's the only time. Wow. However, <laughs> you thought you were just coming for rom-com films. You just got Wayne's bloody treaties on the whole world. I'm just giving you like what I think is in fact the case. Now, but having said that, Paul. Wouldn't it be great? Put yourself in the place of the what's the, the female lead, whatever her name is, right? Lisa uh, in the show. Lisa yeah. in the show. You do find a man whom you love. Yes, he doesn't got the social station of your dad or anything else. But then after you actually say, no, he's the guy I love. He says, guess what? What? I got kingdoms coming out my asshole. Look at all this money. 
That's a fairy tale, Paul. So she's all about that shit. So I think that's where this carries on. And again, well, this was made a long time ago. She did, she, yeah, again, we have to acknowledge it's almost 40 years old. Well, 35 years old, this movie. Shit. Eric LaSalle was the guy she was dating. And, you know, he's a good looking bloke too. So No, the best thing about that was the soul glow shit where his fucking hair is always pimped out. And it was like the whole family's got this fucking fro soul glow shit. It was so, there were so many good jokes in this. Oh. I don't know why the sequel sucked that many dicks. Yeah, you hated the sequel. I didn't hate it as much as you. Oh, it God, was it wasn't a patch. Let's it's be hor- it's actually like it fucks up the it's entire. It's just try hard. It's just try hard where this film was effortlessly lightning in a bottle. You know what? Great. They just had if they had no budget. Like the, the the palace in this movie looked like a palace. It was like wide shots in this next movie. Even like Nazi Hall dressing up and doing their thing. That was when it was fresh and new and exciting. And, and thirty five years later, it's just dumb. Dude, Bursley Tides was the best thing about the 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 sequel because he was that warlord <laughs> yes, or whatever. Yeah. But that was it, man. So yeah, no, fair enough. Coming to America. A great choice. Thank you. All right. My number six is a film that's got uh, a couple Aussies in it, Ooh. but it's an American film. Okay. Simon Baker, Rose Byrne, and then Rafe Spall, Anna Faris, Stephen Merchant. Anna Faris again. Yeah, Mini, mini Driver. There's a few folks here, okay. Um, mini Driver, your fave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you a fan? No. Yeah, I don't think so. All right. <laughs> the film's called I Give It a Year. Now, I know, you've we'll never heard of it. All these I'm, ones I'm trying to give you yeah, these. Yeah. Yeah, these are good ones. Okay, now, I Give It a Year is about Rafe Spall and Rose Byrne have this seven-month-long passion-filled courtship, and then they decide, ah, we're going to get married. Okay? Now, they're friends, perhaps understandably. Rose Byrne is batting down there. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, like, again, I think that's quite realistic. I mean, Hollywood. How many couples do you know where the guy's the best-looking guy? None. So, <laughs> really? Uh, a couple. Yeah. Maybe a couple. <laughs> I can tell you I've never been in one. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yes, they, uh, but they, so they, they get married, even though, you know, Rose is punching down and their friends are all like, this is a shit idea. Hang on, Pierce Brosnan's calling, he wants to have a word. Oh, that's fucking tough, Paul. <laughs> that is fucking harsh. My man. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. Hey man, that's all for you. Word. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, uh, her fr- their friends are like, you're nuts, right? But they get married anyway. And then they have a moment that Paul actually had in real life with me. I'm not going to mention it, everyone. Oh, okay. But one time... <laughs> Why is not going to mention it? It must be me really and, bad. <laughs> me and Paul... No, I'm still going to mention the particular instance. But me and Paul were at a wedding when we were in our 20s. And Paul said, I give this four years, is what he said. <laughs> I think it was three and a half. Did you say three and a half? And I think he was correct to the day. <laughs> Correct to the Before, month. Was it to the month? Uh, well, I was Something, yeah, it was very, months. very close. Yeah. And he's like, boom. And I was like, oh, either this motherfucker's a witch or he's like, he should he should get a degree in the school of people's heads, which I've of course tra- he did do. I've traveled back in time. Yeah, he's yeah. a time traveler. He's, he's Matt Groening. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and so that's what happened, in fact, yeah. But uh, this film here, the premise of the movie is that basically the, this mismatched couple are struggling through their marriage and they're tempted by... She's tempted by Simon Baker because he's the mentalist and he's tempted <laughs> by Anna, Anna Faris. Because um, why? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a three-piece suit. And nine Wait, months She was in, wearing a three-piece suit? No, he was. Oh. Simon Baker. He wears it in The Mentalist. That was the gag I was making. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Didn't work out. Um, <laughs> but I, I bomb every now and then. A lot. Um, so, uh, no fun if you take my joke away from <laughs> me. But you would be surprised the amount of cock humor there is in this poll. There's actually a fiend where... Um, well, I might have been surprised thought they ended at number six on your list. Well, there's this one particularly good scene where they have one of those electronic picture frames, which interfaces with your computer and it just changes pictures of you. Yeah. Right. So that frame is behind where, a scene where they were there with their parents, with her parents. And of course, it has it's swooping through normal, nice little pictures of them together. Well, sexy time. But then all of a sudden, it's just a cock, a cock, kitty cock, cock asshole cock, and it's right behind the parents. They're like, oh my god, oh my god, it's really fucking funny, and it's unexpectedly funny in that okay, way. Yeah, yeah. So I give it a year is well worth your time, and it's one of those fucking movies where at the end something weird happens where. Uh, I won't spoil it. Okay, it's, it's too much a hidden gem to spoil. Yeah, but like it's it's oh, well, and it actually oddly works, even though it's ridiculous. So there you are. All right, fair enough. I, I wish I could say more about it, but uh, <laughs> sounds interesting. Cock. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I was going to say, but all right. Number five is arguably the quintessential rom com. I've only seen it a couple of times. And I haven't seen. It, I don't think this millennium, but even even back then when I was very young, watching this sub twenty five years of age, I could appreciate the. Level of sophistication and cleverness behind this screenplay is directed by Rob Reinhardt, stars Meg Ryan, and mm. of course Billy Crystal when Harry met Sally. Oh, yeah. An old favorite of mine. Asking that perennial question can a man and a woman who are not involved with other people just be friends? What's your answer to that, Paul? Well, the film tells us no. The film tells us no, but I can yes, tell you. <laughs> I, you can. Of course you can. You can, all right, but here's the thing 
On to what level of friendship, Paul? So obviously, your friend's wife is going to be your friend. No, that's what I'm saying. One of, both of you can't be with someone else to mm. ask that question. Mm. We've got lots of female friends who are married to our married to other other people we know or are friends with. Yeah, we're friends. There's no problem at all. But when they're perennially single and you're perennially single, can you maintain a friendship and be as close? Let me ask you this, Paul. Let's say you're perennially single. She is too. Yep. You are close friends. Not yes. the type of like friend-in-laws that you might say that you met from your boy or whatever like yep. that, right? Yep. But you are close as in you share everything. I think we both have a friend who falls into this category. I definitely do. Who is it? We just spoke about it yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's a good point. Now, the reason that that is the case, Paul, is that neither of us find her attractive. <laughs> so the thing... <laughs> Horrible insights you're getting here to us people, or me at least. Um, so, <laughs> but but, uh, but uh, the same would be said the other way. We don't, we're too close. We we know too much about each other. It's almost past the point where that could ever have happened. I think the idea here is that if you don't want to hit it, sure. All right. Yeah. But I would present an alternate position to okay. you, Paul. Yeah. What if you hit it anyway, and you're still friends? Very rare. I have three of them. So it's like. <laughs> I mean, yes, but at least in one of those cases, you were friends for a long time, then hit it, and now you're still friends afterwards. Yeah, which so means... that's not the same is as... It? Well, you've scratched the itch there, right? All right. right. You've almost defeated your own argument in that point, because we did it. So the friendship survived the hitting. Yes, it's not the same thing. All right, what if you met the girl, yep. hit it, it didn't work out as a relationship, but then you became friends? I think that's not too uncommon. Jerry and Elaine? Yeah. It's, it's rare. It's very rare. Uh, but it can happen if it's really early on. If it's just once or twice, oh, a bit awkward, sorry. Yeah, and then we go on to be friends. All right, now what about a third scenario where you're friends, you met, you hit it, but you became friends, but then you keep hitting it? What's Very that unusual. Ball? Very unusual, Well, then it becomes right? a relationship. And then I tell you what, after, of that, sorts. after that, the friendship doesn't survive unless you end up together. You know, I, uh, we'll, we'll talk later on about how I, how I have an example of this not happening. So there you are. <laughs> By the way, I will say this. Back to the movies for a second. <laughs> um, when Harry Met Sally, I didn't realize this, but this, when Harry Met Sally is almost a carbon copy of Annie Hall, the Woody, Arrow, Woody, Woody, yeah, Woody, Woody Allen movie. That's interesting you say that. I hadn't seen Annie I hadn't either, but then I saw ago, Exactly. Then when I saw it, I was like, this is fucking when Harry Met Sally. It's even set in New York. It's got the two people. <sighs> the only difference being that they're not trying to be friends or whatever, but the actual tone of the movie is almost... Yeah, there, is a very, um, there is a very... You're right. Very and no one vibe. seemed to notice it, so there you are. Nanny Hall's a, a, a great rom-com too, I think. Oh, it's just groundbreaking. It's yeah. just groundbreaking. It's not on my list, but absolutely... In terms of, you want to talk about the most 10 most influential rom-coms of all time? Easily. Bam. That's number one. Yeah. Because, and I've actually heard people say, hey, every rom-com is just trying to be Annie Hall. Mm. So I'm like, yeah, on some level it kind of is. So. Yeah, Julio, we've, we've given you a shout out to your fave. Okay, uh, okay, okay yeah. cool. Uh, nice one, brother. Cool. What's right. your number five, sir? My number five was, in fact, the last movie that James Gandolfini ever made. It's called Enough Said. Ooh, I knew that off the top of my head. Does that have Julia Louise Dreyfus? Mm, Elaine and him. Yeah. Now, it's about... Uh, <laughs> Does not compute. <laughs> well, what happens is because um, well, they're both of of us not similar age, but like it's it's when you look at it and you look at them in the film, it doesn't look too disparate, other than the fact that he's a large man. Because when you're when you get to a certain age, Paul, you settle for the fucking worst man. <laughs> um, now this is about what, James. What year? It is well, obviously pre two thousand thirteen. Yeah, it's actually not. Uh, sorry, I haven't got it here, but it's it's definitely around twenty ten ish. So uh, Ju- Julie Louise, uh, Eva is her name. Julie Louise Dreyfus starts dating James Gandolfini. Louis Dreyfus, isn't it? Louis Dreyfus, Louis Dreyfus. Yeah. And when she realizes one of her massage right, clients. They're exactly the same age. There you go. She realizes one of her massage clients, Kathleen Keener, is James Gandolfini's ex-wife. She doesn't tell any of them about the connection. And instead, she fishes around for information. And, and the, that's the hilarity because she's trying to get information from her client, who's in fact his ex-wife. And... The movie itself is actually a really people don't talk about it because it's Tony Soprano and this and that. It's actually a great swan song for 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 okay. James Gandolfini right. because it is very nuanced and you actually look at his performance in it because he's a, he's one of those guys who can't whisper in a theater. So he's like, she's like, whisper. He's like, what's that? Whisper, what's that? And she's like, fuck. And she's like laughing at it, and he doesn't like it, and it's like there's very a complex. There's a special fucking circle of hell reserved oh, for I those know. people. I know, right? And it's like and we hate those people as well. But because the character himself and her actually have this odd kind of snipey relationship, it's actually quite true to life. Where you can, you can, the man's ego is hurt because the woman's laughing at him, 
and it's stopping them from getting together. And it's actually a middle-aged kind of romance for the masses. Okay. So yeah, there's not many of those for people our age, Paul. No. That's so true. That's there true. you go. So I yes. think more of them will be produced over time. And I know there's another one that you quite like that feature, which may yet come up on your list. Uh, yeah, I, 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 well, I'll talk about it. As a, uh, but I love that one. But yes, we'll talk about it later. Uh, enough said is my number five. All right. My number four is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Okay. We'll call it a rom-com. It's a, it's a rom-com. <laughs> This is basically him fighting. It's a comedy. Yeah, okay, it's okay. really okay. funny. And it's him having decided he wants the girl. He's going after the girl. Just he's doing it in a very fantasy, ridiculous kind of way. It's because he has to fight her however her, many ex-boyfriends? Uh, yeah, seven, seven evil exes. Not yeah. just boyfriends. There's a girlfriend in there too. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he does that. And to the course of the film. So that's instead of the obstacles being the usual bullshit about parents don't agree or we're different religions or whatever it might be, the, the obstacles are... Literal exes who want to kill you. Uh, yes. Now, uh, I re- look, this is an amazing film. It's one of those films that amazingly bombed. It didn't I do think well. This is it? one of the most underrated films of all time. I agree. I think that's the shit. I mean, yes, it's your favorite director, and yes, you are jacking yes. it. But uh, yes, the- I am wanting it. Jacking it. <laughs> <laughs> I will jack him anytime yeah, he wants. Fair enough, mate. <laughs> now, um, he, uh, it feels like the right thing to do to say thank you for all his hard work. <laughs> I'll let him know. Uh, would you say this is Michael Sarah's best work? Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah. This is the perfect role for Michael Sarah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist is... Oh, I hate that movie. Yeah, I love it. That it's, is a really shit version of, of The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is a much far superior film. It's. Be, I think it's because Michael Sarah is usually playing that weenish and it's all fucking dude, right? And he's not in that movie and he's kind of not in this movie too, although he is a little bit in this movie. No, absolutely is, but but that's what makes it so Well, awesome when he when comes he to light and actually the, yeah. fights them and actually succeeds, that's when he stops being a weenish schnitzel. So yes, I get that. But other than that, the styling and the everything on the show is the absolute f- balls. And I should mention... I really like Ramona Flowers. What's her name, Paul? Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes, Paul does not famously, but you know, whatever. I'm all bored. Uh, nothing. For she me. was the and best. Yet, in this I film. still fucking love this movie. Oh, see, that's how good it is. There yeah. you go. This people. film is is beyond amazing, and yeah, there'll be a bunch of people that are saying, "Fuck off, Paul! It's not a rom com." Well, well, we've just explained how it is and why it is. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my number four. Now here's where we get to the quirky shit that you may never have heard of, or you may have. I'm not sure, but we haven't heard the quirky shit yet. Holy crap! Oh, you're right. Actually, it's even more quirky from now on. But uh, from now, my number four is a movie called Sleeping with Other People. It so has got rings of egg bill. Yeah, Jason Sudeikis and uh, Alison Brie are in it. And it is definitely an old time truth story. The friends with benefits storyline. Nothing new. It's it's about yeah, basically they're asking, can a guy and girl truly be just friends? And here, Alison Brie and Jason Sudeikis reunite after many years, but they decide to keep their relationship platonic and become close friends instead. But their growing attraction towards each other makes this more difficult. As than per our previous conversation. Exactly. Now, why the film is good. First of all, this was, um, you know, Russian Doll, the Netflix show? This is the same yeah, creator. Yeah, tried to watch it. Yeah, got, same creator. Got, two-thirds way through the first season, not for me. Yeah, now what it is is that, of course the guy is a womanizing commitment-phobe, and he's a self-sabotaging love addict, and the pair try and maintain this thing, and whatever, and it doesn't work. Well, now, tell me more about that character. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> there is, now Alison Brie has never, and I know you're a community guy, alright? I am. She has never been more radiantly beautiful Ooh, than she has been in this film. Pretty radiantly beautiful in community. Oh my god. Dude, there's a scene where um, they're at this party, it's a children's party, but for some reason she decides to take MDMA. And I know, I know, I know <laughs> that sounds weird. Do. No, no, that sounds weird. But then there's this uh, scene where she starts dancing to David Bowie's Modern Love, which is an old favorite of mine. And the slow-mo of her dancing and coming Good alive. Now, another song. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, among all these kids, even though it seems like, oh, what's this drug you're doing on the kid? It's not played like that. And it's absolutely like this. If you just watch the scene, look it up on YouTube. Watching her dance in slow-mo while she's getting happier and happier is actually gorgeous to look at. It's amazing. And it's also very funny because I love Jason Sudeikis. He's a funny fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think. Alison Brie, she's kind of innocent in community. So it's when she's sort of vamping it up in a couple of the episodes, she's so hot. But then there's another film I can't think of. She plays the bad girl in a comedy, light comedy of some description. Mm, she's I'm trying to woo now. someone. And she just walks, at one point, she just walks down wearing like, you know, lingerie. I'm just like, oh my God. So you're a fan, Paul. Well, yeah, but I haven't seen her a lot lately. That- no, it hasn't been a lot, is it? No, but she's, um, yeah, well, that's the thing, though, because in this film, she's very sexually liberated, and that's all that. Mm-hmm. But um, that just sort of makes her kind of more, somehow more accessible because she's honest, and it's really, really good. 
So yeah, sleeping with other people is in fact the bomb, and I'm a big fan of it. I so. should also talk up a bit of Jason Sudeikis, who through Ted Lasso has grown in my estimation leaps and bounds. I have always found him. I know this is irrelevant, but a very attractive man. Yeah, sure. He's like if you're a comedian and attractive, it's very odd. And in fact, I've I've like the only two guys I know who are like this are Jim Carrey. I think he's a good-looking guy. Was was whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jason Sudeikis and, and what about Eddie Murphy back in the day. Come on. Yeah, you're right. Actually, you know what? Eddie Murphy was the first comic to be sexy. Yeah, that was probably the first. But he was like a whole thing on his own. Leather suits on stage. No, that just, motherfucker ooh. fucking had it going on. And you know, he did that fucking delirious. He's like 22. I know. Who the fuck has that much confidence at 22? And is that funny? I know. Yeah, amazing. So it's insane. So you're right. So yeah, the hot comic is a very odd thing, but it does happen like three times apparently. All right. My number three is the newest film on my list and a film which I adored when I saw it a couple of years ago, very early on in the pandemic. And I think it kind of was zeitgeisty in that this film about a guy who's trapped in a time loop and living the same day over and over again only for a girl to follow him into this time loop and then the two of them are stuck together for eternity ah. and they go through the motions of, well, eventually getting into bed together because what else are you going to do? Exactly. And then falling in love with, well, he at least falls in love with her and then she's like, fuck this shit, I want out of here. He's like, but why? This is perfect. We can be together forever mm. and hence the romantic comedy of Palm Springs. Yes, we've talked about this one. It's unpopular that I didn't like it as much as you when you looked when you first came across it. Dug the shit out of this one. I'm sure I could watch it again and like it. Go Andy on. Andy Sandberg, and here's my other big plug for another show I was on this week. Just this week, my episode with Ashley on Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm-hmm. regarding, or on, I should say on the Rabbit Ears TV podcast. Mm-hmm. Came out, and of course, that Andy Sandberg stars in that. And I was saying, this is the best role he's ever been in. Nothing's come close. And then I think maybe even Ashley even said, either on or off mic, but what about Palm Springs? Don't you love that? Too? I'm like, yes, I do. Dude, Popstar was his best film. No. So- <laughs> no, no, and uh, no. If there's a number two behind Palm Springs, it's Hot Rod. Hot Rod is way above Popstar. So oh, fuck concerned. off. Ah, balls. Um, but yes, no, fair enough. Uh, question, uh, you know what? So of these time loopy trapped in the films. I like this one better than Groundhog. Better than Groundhog. What, what can I say? say? Yeah, no, fair enough. Like, now, I, maybe I this is to, more contemporary. Maybe I need to put ground. Yeah, maybe I need to put it back on again and watch it because I've not seen Groundhog Day. I watched it three, four times back in the day. But Groundhog Day is a product of its time. Yeah. Bill Murray movie, sort of Ned oh, especially joking. now that Bill Murray with all the baggage that's now attached to him and well, his, what's happening with him? Have you not heard about all his horrendous behavior? No, and what happened? All the shit's coming out. Like he, he literally picked up Seth Green and dropped him in a bin on the set of whatever movie they were on when he was a kid. What? He was mercilessly hitting on Gina Davis all through what was the movie they were in together. Can't remember. Really? And just, yeah. I he, know he had a fist fight with Chevy Chase on the SNL. Yeah, it's but famous every, one. apparently everyone wanted to have a fist fight with Chevy Chase. So yeah, that, that that's sense. not a bad thing at all. Yeah. But apparently he's just that guy who. If he's having a bad day, he just makes everyone else feel. Oh, Lucy Lou, that one's been out for a little while. He he was abhorrent to her in, really? in Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels, and that's why he wasn't. Bernie Mac came in for him in Charlie's Angel Full Throttle. Wow! So all these stories is just starting to bleed out now, unless something changes. And they just shut down production because he sexually harassed someone on his on his latest film. Did he? Yeah. I heard a story where Bill Murray was saying, and this doesn't excuse any of it, but he actually said this a long time ago. He said, when you get famous, you're a cunt for a year, and then you te- you either figure it out or you disappear. But a lot of things you're talking about happened a lot. Where- and look, I- well, That's over a long period of time. Yeah. There's even like footage of him, like, like Gina Davis is on whatever talk show, and this is back in the late 80s, I think, or maybe early 90s. He's pulling the strap of her dress down while he's sitting right next to her. Are you kidding and me? She's pulling it back up like this, like really uncomfortable. And it's like, what? what? And again, this shit just flew back in those days. I know. Back, you're right. Kids now don't understand how this shit happens. <laughs> and it's even hard for us who was alive back then. Well, who, yeah. And probably wouldn't have and probably an watched eyelid. that and didn't bat an eyelid. But now we go, oh my God. This is how it is, man. Yeah. Society. So anyway, back to the movie Palm Springs. Amazing film. Hilarious. So many great jokes just play through in terms of what you do to pass the time or indeed just experiment because why not? You wake up next day having not done it, technically speaking, though you remember having done it. Yeah. J.K. Simmons plays a great role in it too. Oh, he's awesome. uh, Just a really great film directed by Max uh, Bebikov. Is that his name? Sure. Uh, Barbico. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to his next film, which I don't have not got wind of yet. Number three, Palm Springs. Nice one. My number three is a movie I'm guessing you've never heard of and maybe all of you haven't heard of. It's a, this is an odd one, people. But it is surprisingly good. It's called Obvious Child. And it hasn't really got anyone in that you really know. It's wow. starring Jenny Slate, Jake Lacey. Richard Kind, you might remember from Spin City. He yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but that's about... Oh, David Cross. David Cross from fucking, like, that fucking <laughs> Ron Howard TV show, uh, Arrested Development. 
Oh, yeah, okay. he's in that for a bit. Anyway, the premise of this movie I'm does not... to Ron Howard. He just does the voiceover. I think he... Pro- no. Okay. <laughs> in my head, it's a Ron Howard. Maybe he did exactly I don't know. He wasn't the creative dude behind it. I can't uh, okay, his name cool. on top my head. Sure. Okay, no problem. The premise of this film does not sound comedic. Okay, because listen, ready for this? A young woman has an abortion after a one-night stand, leaves Ooh. her pregnant. Okay. Now, given that premise, the writer-director, she's called Gillian Robespierre, her script brings up uh, to light a lot of of this, this plot, which could easily end up feeling dark. It's it, now the, the the lead. Her name is Jenny Slate. You will have seen it before if you look at her. Her name rings a bell. Now she start, She's really really good as Donna, who's this comedian. She's actually a hapless comedian and a bookstore clerk who has some very relatable thoughts on what women's underwear looks like at the end of the day. Things like that. It's those kinds of jokes. All right. Mm-hmm. She meets a guy, and the jokes are like this. For example. They get a bit drunk and they sit, they're standing for some reason behind the comedy club. They're a bit wasted and he has, I have to take a piss. And he's like, just piss right here. You're in an alley. He's like, I never pissed in public before. So he does that. And she's sitting down and he's standing sort of with his back to her and he's pissing and then he accidentally farts in her face. <laughs> you see where I'm going here, Paul? And, and for the rest of the movie, they call him pee farter. <laughs> so it's, but that's that type of humor. But then actually making it kind of, relatable and work because she actually the things that happen in the film and the way that it ends is not what you would think okay uh and it, making you know abortion and that an actual thing this is an achievement to make this film funny it's still funny and it's okay. about them kind of not getting together. It. yeah obvious child is a very very unsung film you most people haven't heard what year it is no idea right that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh yeah Obvious well, Charles Wayne's number three. Who saw that one coming? Not anyone, but I'll tell you who saw my number two coming. Fucking everyone. <laughs> I have gone with the rom zom com of all time. Oh, shit. Shaun of the Dead is my number two okay. best rom com. I don't need to talk about any more. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out here. We all know why. It's a romantic comedy set during the zombie apocalypse. It's fucking amazing. Edgar Wright, still the handy, is on offer. Your number two, sir. Very nice. My number two is a Jake Gyllenhaal film, Ooh. and it's called Love and Other Drugs. And it's got your favorite. And Hathaway in it. Uh, Probably why I've not seen it. <laughs> all right. Now, here's, here's, here's what we're talking about. Again, these top three are odd films, all right? But like I said, they've got a lot of value and they just might have slipped under your radar if you weren't this guy. Now, it's about Anne Hathaway plays Maggie and she's an alluring free spirit who won't let anyone or anything tie her down. She's, one of, she's probably manic pixie dream girl a bit. Oh, God. But she has Parkinson's disease, Paul. That's sad. I know. It's sad. And so she, but she then meets her match in Jake Gyllenhaal Who's like he's a he's he's a charming motherfucker who fucks everyone. So like okay. <laughs> now that's now the actual way that it's played in the film makes you like okay well you're fine with that. But what's great about this film is it has a slow start because it seems like a very normal rom com where he's the hot guy and this happens. But then the way it finishes, Anne Hathaway is amazing because it starts generic and almost pedestrian. But then it appears to be headed in a typical cliched way, and then boom, it involves evolves into something very different as a rom com. Okay, and you've got the you know there's even the funny fat sidekick and that sort of thing that happens, but it does actually pull the blanket out from under you as a viewer. It is not a typical type of rom com, and it definitely does it surprises you in a good way because it again does not end the way that you want it to. So, but really, really great performances. I don't know why you don't like Anne Hathaway. Is it because she's got big eyes and a mouth? Mm. What's going on here? I think it's probably her role choices and her smugness, and I just don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. You know what? She was surprisingly good. She was good in Ocean's Eight. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. No. I yeah. Okay. That film sucks. Hey, what are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so what was by that way, called again? I'm that was called Love and Other Drugs, and yep. it was directed by Edward Zwickpole. Wow. Yeah. Okay. This is like guy. one of his. Yeah. He wrote it as well. Hmm. Oh, co-wrote it. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Well, that's our list to the revealing number one. So here's my ten through two. And then it. my number one, my number ten, High Fidelity. Nine, The Forty Year Old Virgin. Eight, There's Something About Mary. Seven, Five Hundred Days of Summer. Six. Coming to America, five, when Harry met Sally, four, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, three, Palm Springs, two, Shaun of the Dead, my number one. Of course, it came up on every list online when I looked up the best rom-coms. I didn't have it on my list in episode 125, 126, whatever it was. It's The Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. It's yeah. about true love. The whole thing basically boils down to true love and how not even death and swamp and fire swamps, I should say, and rodents of unusual size, and murderous princes and six fingered men can keep you apart from one another when true love is on your side. So that is my favorite rom com of all time, The Princess Bride. And even my daughter loves it when I showed it to her. Oh my god. And so this Are you is, kidding? The only person in the world who doesn't like this film is Nicholas Haskins, 
He who purports to be <laughs> Does he Mr. Really? Mr. Positive and likes everything because, you know, that's the message he's now putting out into the world. He still can't fight it in his cold, dead heart to love the Princess Bride or Predator. And it saddens me, Nick. It saddens me greatly. Sounds like an oddly contrarian view, <laughs> if you ask me. Uh, no, the Princess Bride is... The Princess Bride was so popular, so good, so universally accept Nick accepted and, <laughs> and appreciated that I remember talking with it, talking about it with, uh, with women in high school when it was, you know, in the fucking 90s and stuff. If you didn't hear about a film, it was really normal because of like, uh, but all the chicks knew it. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's all about this, man. Uh, yeah, no, of course, Paul. No, of course, of course. Thank you very much. Nice That's work. my 10 through one. Wayne, what is yours? My number 10 was, hang on. Yes, here we are. <laughs> 10, get over it. Nine, buying the cow. Eight, just friends. Seven, loser. Six, I give it a year. Five, enough said. Four, sleeping with other people. Three, obvious child. Two, love and other drugs. And my number one, Paul, I gotta say this. You ask me, rom-coms are the eventual Hollywood leading man's vehicle to start up. Okay. You know, because you know who used to be a rom-com guy? Matthew McConaughey. Mm -hmm. You know who else? Tom Hanks. You know who else? Captain America, bitch. I'm saying to you that this, my number one, is a film that, again, you likely will have never heard of. It's called Before We Go. And you've got Chris Evans, Alice Eve. Who? Alice oh, Eve. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah from yeah, the she, Star Trek movie. Star Trek, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, she's hot. And this film is directed by Chris Evans. Wow. Yeah, this is one of his, I think it might even be his first one. And Please tell me put the year down. It's uh, 2014. Hey, well done. So there you go. So, so uh, he was playing Captain America before this point in time. So this is what he did in between. Oh my god, yeah. It must yeah. have been a break project for him. Yeah. He doesn't oddly... It's plainly... He doesn't look that beefcake in it. So he's actually wearing a lot of jackety stuff. The, the premise of the film is... Um, Alice Eve is an, she's a girl named Brooke. And she misses the train from New York to Boston. And a street musician, played by Captain America, decides to spend the night helping her make it back home before her husband does. Throughout the night, they learn a lot about each other and eventually, you know, they potentially find something in each other as their nighttime sojourn through New York City. That whole movie is just one night. Now, why it's good is that Chris Evans really took this... This is a sharp-witted rom-com. Glamorous shots of New York, so it's definitely very good-looking and it's a very Ooh, smart okay. script. He's like a, a trumpeter. He's a, he's a junior. Sounds very before sunset. Or it's, before, it is. I will say to you, yeah. it's a little before sunsetty. But why it's good is that the things that happen because she's she's got a husband, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like this. So you, as a viewer, are looking at it, going, "Well, this can't go anywhere, mm-hmm. even though what's going on. And if it does go anywhere, how are they going to do that? Is she cheating on her husband? Now we won't like him, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then what happens is through the 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 way that the the film goes and her, you know, it's very charming. Their chemistry is extremely 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 good. Okay. And you find out how her having a husband actually works for this to be a rom-com. I know, it's hard to I'm not going to give it okay, away, okay, but yeah, it no, is very very cool. No. And it's sort of me going cuz Alice Eve, I liked her very much. I didn't necessarily love her work or think that she was the most charming actress or anything like that. She's actually a Brit, but she's playing a New Yorker. Right. I would say not bittersweet, slightly open, not quite um what you expected ending of this film is what makes it because the whole tone of the film all the way through is you're definitely okay. entertained and you're charmed but you don't quite get the moment you want all right and that's why it's cool so there you go there we go so that's uh, before we go before everyone we go yeah i don't know i might have seen one or two on your list so very very few i think they mostly were hidden gems so well done you, yeah, you go, for bro. playing that one uh honorable mentions from me first Please. of all knocked up for getting sarah marshall great long shot i liked i know you liked it more than me god i love that film it's and, almost the best rom-com and chasing amy Nice. For me, I actually think the best, my real list, if I, is, is uh, Crazy Stupid Love is yeah, my crazy favorite. Stupid love. Chasing and Be Sure, definitely long shot. Sing Street, if you want to go there. Oh, I could have put you know Sing Street. That could have been there. I would happily put Sing Street in over a bunch of these ones. <laughs> um, yeah, those are my lists. Nice. That's Alice. What about yours? We have every episode of the show with your feedback on the topic at hand in a segment that we call the Pop 10. Talk about Pop 10. Talk about. Kicking off this week's Pop 10 with Mary Clement Hill. I'm older, so my list will be a bit outdated. Welcome my, to my world. My totally, yeah, our world. My totally nostalgic list is Moonstruck, Word. One Fine Day, and Out of Sight. I reckon there would have been very short money on Out of Sight being your list, Wayne. That's not a romantic comedy. Well, it's a gangster film with a whole. I in thought it. it was a thriller with romance. It's a thriller yeah, more than anything. But, but you know, One Fine Day is awesome. Speaking of George Clooney. Oh, there you go. And very honorable mention to Bridget Jones's diary. Well done, Mary. Nice. David Powell, who I have to give credit to, reminded me of Palm Springs. Thank you for that, David. Here's his top three, top little patron of the show, and uh, countdown moderator extraordinaire number three, 500 Days of Summer. So there you go, Nicole. You can also direct your <laughs> ire at David. 
Frankie and Johnny at number two, and number one, truly, madly, deeply. Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> Such a renaissance man with his Ellen Rickman-ass movies. He loves the Rick. Yep. Man. Jonathan Lamb said, 10 things I hate about you. Eric and Sam Pedro introduced one, this one to me a couple of years ago, and it's surprisingly sweet and funny. 10 things is awesome. I really like it. I Definitely, it. maybe, which I think you made a joke about at the very start yep. of the episode. <laughs> Basically, it's How I Met Your Mother, if it was kept short and sweet. Right, ran again. And number one, When Harry Met Sally, one of my favorite films of all time, one of the quintessential rom-coms. I went to that fucking orgasm cafe that she went to. You Cats, did? Cats' Deli. Yeah. yeah. Had one of the sandwiches. Came. <laughs> Well, the aforementioned Erica San Pedro, she also had number three, 10 Things I Hate About You. Number two, 500 Days of Summer. <laughs> Nicole. <laughs> and number one, When Harry Met Sally as well. You can see why those two have hooked up. Mm-hmm. Gary Stevenson said, weird ones, but I like them. Number three, The Wedding Singer. I don't think that's weird at all. It's a good no, call. No, great. Yeah, number two, Heart and Souls from 1993. Robert Downey Jr., Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, and at the I end... I like, like of that movie. No, dude, because at the end, there was this moment where it was like, oh my God, that's the most feel-good moment because Robert Downey Jr. goes, he gives her his, her key finally, his key finally, he's like, I want you, and I love you. And he, and he fucking, his voice cracks. Is this the one where the ghosts are trying ghosts to, are trying to yeah, get him? Yeah. yeah, and then this group of girls just cried in front of me and it made me laugh, yeah. but it was good. <laughs> and number one for Gary, L.A. Story. Oh, that's weird right there. So, there you go. That one is weird. Uh, Jesse Dixon said, about time at number three, I thought that might also be this, but is that a rom-com? It's, is it just a romance? I think it is a rom-com, but it gets it becomes to be, it's, it means so much to me, that yes, movie that no, I couldn't no, call no. it a com. But number yeah, two, 10 show. things I pay you. Number one, 50 first dates. Oh. Chris Sutherland said, wedding singer, 50 first dates, so a bit of uh, Drew Barrymore and yep. Sandler there. And Deadpool as <laughs> another choice, which I did seriously consider shoehorning back I would have told you to fuck to off. my list as well. <laughs> Timothy Williams said, Love Actually, yeah, it hasn't aged well, but still watch every Xmas. Bridget Jones' Die, fans of the whole series, but one is the best. And number one again, The Wedding Singer. Don't know how many times I've seen it, but still love it. Mm, Lexus Curtis and Sandler. Mm. John Lander said, Surely Madly Deeply, Deeply was billed as the British ghost. So much better. Come on, John. I don't know about that, bro. Come it's on. This is good for its time. Jeez. LA Story again at number two. Saw it in a double feature with Science of Lambs. It was a great pairing. <laughs> <laughs> And number one, A Fish Called Wanda. Kevin Klein, Jamie Lee Curtis, and John Cleese are so good in it. Mm. Is I that, call that straight comedy, is but Is that okay. a romance in that? Well, like, the thing is, there's romance in everything because you always have a love interest, right? Mm. So is it, yeah. Well, yeah it's it's more of a heist comedy, but anyway. Chris Yeeney, Paul, you are not allowed to use films just because it pops up in Google because apparently he typed in popular rom-coms and it came up with Apocalypse Now <laughs> and Halloween H2O. <laughs> See, that's what I thought would come from you. <laughs> Uh, number three, Boomerang. Number two, Overboard from 1987, the Goldie Hall, oh, yeah. one. And number one, I Love You, Man. I thought maybe that might be on your list too. Like, only because everyone had heard of it. it, did it. It's, yeah. it's, it's that one. And Boomerang is the fucking shit. I love Boomerang. Eddie Murphy again. There we go. All right, last couple to wrap us up today. Jason Bass with Bridget Jones' Diary, a very relatable and fun film. For some reason, I didn't realize Zellweger was American until a while after I saw this one. What? Jerry yeah. Maguire, y'all? Anyway. Notting Hill, best rom-com or romantic film ever in my opinion. And 13 going on 30. Don't like it, but it's one of my other half's favourite films, so I wanted to give it a shout-out. Jay Garn. There you are. So, you could, Jason, now you get your other half to listen as well. <laughs> and lastly, Ben Burnham said, hmm, Sneakers, 1992. <laughs> what a cast. Redford, Poitier, Kingsley, Ackroyd, River Phoenix. Number two, Dicker Taylor, Soldier Spy. Gotta love a little George Smiley. What the fuck? And number one, Notorious, 1946. Maybe the best Hitchcock. Ingrid Bergman, Cary Grant, Claude Rains, amazing. Look, With special mention to Atomic Blonde and Spy Game. Yes. What? I'm ignoring the fact <laughs> that the brief was changed in the original. Yes, I realized never locked in idea. So there's one man who was very annoyed that you changed, the, changed your mind to go to wrong call. Oh, sorry, dog. <laughs> now I get you. Now I get you, dog. Oh, I love that you uh, walked in. Thank you. Oh, yeah. So that was uh, Ben's actual top 10 spy films, a espionage films list. Nice one. And that's it from for us today. But thank you to everyone who got back to us with their feedback on the topic at hand. It was a good bit of banter back and forth going on in the thread for this week's topic. Of course, Wayne, we've got four big topics left mm. in this little run. But how do people get us give us their feedback on this topic or anything else countdown related? Google the Countdown Podcast and get all our socials. Send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com or try our slightly shitty website, <laughs> thecountdownpodcast.com. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> at least it's a website. Yeah, I just, just, just look at it on a laptop or like a desktop. My mobile experience is shit still, so sorry. Uh, one day one day we will get there yeah we'll get there uh, you can also follow the show on Twitter at the Countdown PC we've mentioned the Facebook this community and follow the show on Podbean where we host oh and good pods you can go and listen to us there and help us climb the rankings 
Because uh, we are a good pod. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we do okay in the overall list for TV and film. But uh, yeah, the more people listen there, the more we might rise the, that ranking. So yeah, thanks so much for all of that. Now, Wayne, what is happening for episode 397? I almost Ooh. feel like I need a, a filter for this one. Go ahead. Okay. The most disappointing films of all time. Time, 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 time. Cool. So you don't need oh, a damn sorry. filter. <laughs> it's okay. Well, I can help make it happen now. Okay, okay. okay. The, the most, most disappointing, disappointing films, films of all time. time. Oh, that's pretty good. There you go. Which one, brother? Yeah, there we are. That's going to be huge. So, not the worst. No. But we had. Huge expectations huge. and waiting there thinking this is going to be fucking amazing. And of course, in some experiences, it became the worst because I was so far short. But mm. which ones really gutted you? Exactly. Where did you shit on the seat and leave? Like, oh, what? How is this this when we were thinking this and it was exactly. going to be this? And I promised us that. Why would it be so shit? Yeah. Who'd fucking drop the ball? That's what we're looking for on next week's show. So we hope you join us for that one, episode 397, the fourth last, the current iteration of the show. Anything else, Wayne? Nope, that's it. Let's hit it. All right, then. In that case, my name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard. Holy hell, son. You're about as useful as a cock-flavored lollipop. Don't know why. Just felt appropriate. We'll I catch mean, you next I mean, time. You think that's a fucking rom-com, don't you? It's not. Is it? Dodgeball? No, oh, it's not. Well, Ooh. there's a romance in it and there's a comedy, so I guess you can make the call, but come on, man. My number four. <laughs> Dodgeball. Yeah. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Because I'm just a teenage dude.